The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide and uh, your friend of mine, Howard Linsky, is at the other end of our virtual studio ready for another show. Hello, Howard. Hello, Danny. How are you doing, mate? I'm I'm very well. All the better for seeing and hearing you, even though it's just t- it's taken us 45 minutes to get this blooming technology to work. But... <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, well, we got there in the end. Yes, didn't we just? So for those who are unfamiliar with this show, uh, where have you been? We've missed you, but we're glad you're here now. Uh, and what we do is uh, we have a look at Howard's Choice, the best films on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. We also look at a film that Howard has deemed too good to be forgotten. Uh, we we before that look at uh, new releases on streaming services but to begin with we're going to start off with a look at uh, what's new in the cinema and then what Howard has seen in the cinema because there's a couple of films that you've actually seen and you can talk about but first of all um, yeah let's start with the new releases in the cinema that are worth talking about this week Yes, the, the first one's a serious art house movie called Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess you, this is one of those probably where it does what it says on the tin. Um, I had no idea that the Resident Evil film series was, well, it, it was a series. And the fact that this is the seventh in the series, so I've managed to miss all previous efforts on this one. I don't I don't mind a zombie movie, actually, but I've not seen this one. I don't know if you've ever seen a Resident Evil movie. I haven't. Danny, um, but... Mila, Mila Jovovich is the, the lady yeah. who was uh, the star of the first six. Ah, um, well, and they, currently... the first one was from 2002. Wow, it's amazing. But also the last, the last yeah. one was, so this is, did you say this is the seventh one? It will be the seventh, and it's a it's right. a reboot and a sort of uh, going back I was in time say, job. The, the, because the last one was called Resident Evil: The Final Chapter, so that was a lie. Yeah, you see Hollywood, they lie to us all the time about these things. It's yeah. like when we talked about Halloween, and there were about twelve of them. But uh, this, the, I tend not to watch movies based on video games generally, and that's what this was originally, wasn't it? It was a game. Um, yeah. It's uh, the star of this one is Kaya. Scodelario? I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly or anywhere near. That's it, exactly anyway. how you say it, because there's no one here to tell you otherwise. S- thank you. I've got it absolutely bang on then. Uh, Hannah John Kerman and Robbie Amell and a, and a bunch of other people I've equally not heard of. Not knocking them, but I just haven't seen the, the things they've been in. The one that people might know of is Robbie Amell, um, because he, I believe, is the brother of the guy who played Arrow on TV for eight years. And I think oh, oh, his brother go. was in arrow sometimes as well i think he he, ha- he played i don't think he played the character's brother but i think he was also in it occasionally so he's just ah, right. possibly okay. someone that people might be familiar with um gotcha. uh, and it'll uh, be one of those where they're watching the film going oh, what have i seen him in but thanks thanks for google these days we can usually find out yeah yeah so, so he's been anyway. in a couple of things um mm. uh, and he was also mm. in the uh the the sort of the final series the recent series of the x-files he played there were two younger um, like FBI agents that were in it alongside Mulder and Scully, and he was the younger male um, agent. Ah, gotcha. I managed that one. Passed me by as well. There's just too much TV and films to watch, I'm afraid. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm, I, again, rather like Resident Evil, it's passed me by. But this one is set in 1998, and it follows a group of survivors trying to survive a zombie outbreak in the small town of Raccoon City. And uh, I saw the trailer, it looked quite lively, and I read a couple of reviews, and they reckon. You know, for what it is, basically a zombie horror movie. It's uh, well done and will keep you uh, interested if you like that kind of thing. So if you like that kind of thing, you love it. If you don't like that kind of thing, maybe go and watch something else. Okay. There you go. Also, um, uh, Robbie Amell's the cousin of the guy from Arrow, not the brother. But, but uh, other than that, you know, it all stands. So that's the first release of the, the, the yeah. week. Uh, the next one up, Silent Night. Yes, Silent Night is described as a comedy. Well, it's actually a comedy horror film. It's quite a dark comedy. A homedy. Um, it is a homedy. I like that. Yes, yeah. um, it is a. Uh, as a title would indicate, set around Christmas time. However, it is not like Love Actually. This is the exact opposite of Love Actually, and no worse for it. Um, the plot. Well, sorry, I'll go cast first. Kira Knightley and Matthew Good, who I, I like in most things they have done, so we know they're they're pretty damn good. Uh, it also stars Lily Rose Depp and a bunch of others, and it follows a Christmas dinner that a family throw for their friends and the kids of their friends, and everybody gets together and everything's looking kind of lovely and uh, very festive and very upper middle class, but they're on the eve of an environmental apocalypse. 
which according to the trailer and one or two of the reviews might or might not have been caused by the Russians. But there is a um, an idea that there's a poisonous gas cloud coming and the government have issued everybody with suicide pills just to um, help them avoid the ghastly death hidden in the gas cloud. So it's not your, it's not exactly it's a wonderful life. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's the end of your wonderful life, perhaps, is what we should be calling this one. But it, it looks like dark, dark comic fun. And uh, Kieran Artley and Matthew Good are both very watchable. So, you okay. know, it, it, and, might, um, it might be Lily my Rose Depp has week. a degree of uh, pedigree about her, doesn't she? <clears throat> I believe she does, yes. I mean, we've got a fairly famous surname, after all. So presumably she's a relative, is she? Uh, yes, yeah, so she is the daughter of um, French singing sensation, it says here, Vanessa Parody and yes. Johnny Depp. Yes, yes. I met Johnny Depp's brother once. I don't know if that qualifies as me being a friend of the family, you know, had a beer with him. He's an author, okay. so we, we had a drink right. at a film festival. So Was he really me... his brother, or did you just buy somebody a drink because they told you that? Yeah, he was introduced as his brother on stage, so let's hope it isn't uh, it isn't a fib. But uh. um, I think the, the reason we got on so well was probably I was the first person in 20 years not to ask him about his brother. That's my theory. Right. So we, we had a good, old, was that, good long was chat that and a beer. Just, be, just before you were about to ask him about his brother, and then you thought, all right, yeah, I'll keep him quiet. I, I, I just thought, what would what would really annoy this guy? I know. Uh, the first thing I ask him is, how is Johnny? What's he working on? You know. So <laughs> yeah. I sort of treated him like a person without a famous brother. <laughs> to be fair, somebody knows Johnny Depp these days. That may not be the first question one would ask, but let's not dwell yeah, on that. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, this was a while back, you know. Yeah. So let's move <laughs> yeah. on then to the final uh, yes. movie of the new releases. The final Blue one I picked. Blue Bayou. Yes, it's... Uh, a drama. It's just quite bleak stuff, uh, but not necessarily, um, you know, like the worst for it. It's uh, basically centres on the problem of illegal immigration in America. So it follows a Korean uh, American um, tattoo artist living outside New Orleans with his pregnant wife Kathy um, and her biological daughter Jessie. And due to his criminal record, he's unable to find additional employment to support the family. And eventually, he gets um, harassed and picked up by immigration people and they're going to get rid of him they're going to chuck him out despite the fact that he is with a partner despite the fact that he is the you know the, the male of the family and there's two kids involved and uh they stick him into custody and he's facing deportation and uh the reason it's quite bleak stuff it's it's based on true stories in real life i suppose and uh you know they're not trying to make this a hollywood style movie despite the presence of a hollywood pretty much a-list uh, actress in it, which is Alicia Vikander, who's very, very good usually, and looks pretty uh, good in this, according to the uh, the bits I've seen, the short clips and trailers I've seen. Well, um, Oscar-winning yeah. actor, no less. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, no, she's. I, I've always, I thought she was really good ever since I saw that Ex Machina. That was a fabulous mm. movie, and uh, she was the star of that one. Yeah, and, and, and she got uh, nominated yeah. for supporting actress for that, and uh, the one she won for was the Danish girl. So she's she's done. Yes, some I've not seen the Danish films. girl, but I knew she'd won for that. Yeah, mm. and I must I must watch that at some point. Yeah, but yeah she's so very quite, good. quite an acclaimed, very glamorous Swedish actress, uh, and uh, and yes, yeah, so despite that. This is a very sort of. This is not at all like a glitzy Hollywood type of movie. Yes, one of the you would not expect this to have a sort of earlist um, female lead. So fair play to her for taking mm. this one on, and I guess she believes in it strongly. So you know, I presume this isn't a twenty million dollar salary type movie because I no. think it'll be also a limited release. I understand as well that um, it's something of a, a labour of love for the star because he also wrote it and directed it. Uh, just, ah, yeah, Justin play, yeah, yeah, and it. I think it's had. Um, Caused as usual, it caused a bit of controversy over in America, where some people have been hitting out about you know it's shows stereotypical scenes or mm. um, so yeah, some people love it and some people don't. But um, uh, you know, it's good to see a movie tackling a, a tricky subject, and we tend not to we tend to see these stories um, on CNN and stuff involving large numbers of people, but not necessarily the human cost mm. when it affects one person or one family. So. That's pretty important to see. So okay. if you have time to check that one out, give it that's, a go. That's the movie Blue Bayou. Uh, all of these films are out Friday. Uh, the out Well, today if you're listening to this, or yesterday if you're listening to it tomorrow. But yeah, out on Friday the 3rd of December. Now, you've seen uh, a couple of movies that are still on general release at the moment. Um, so yeah. yeah, tell us what you've seen and what you like. Yeah, I mean, I, I've started to get my cinema going mojo back these days, and uh, it's quite nice to be able to pop along to cinema and... You know, you, you, the, the world is getting slightly back to normal. So the first one I saw, we talked about um, at some length prior to it coming out, you know, the, the week it came out, and that was The Eternals, the Marvel movie, um, and some debate as to whether it should be classed as MCU or or not, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Did we discuss that? I can't remember. But um, 
Uh, oh, sorry, I can't remember what we decided upon. That was the thing. Well, uh, so but it, but it I is, quite enjoyed it is this. part of yeah, it is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It makes some reference to some of the events um, that have previously happened. There is an explanation as to why they didn't get involved with the the other big storyline from the Avengers movies. The yes, you know, um, and they do explain in that why they didn't get involved in that. So basically, they're explaining why we haven't seen them on screen yes. until now. I uh, I seem to remember they were rather over-explaining that because I can imagine the screenwriter's <laughs> biggest challenge was, oh, crikey, if these people are who they say they are, where were they when we needed them? <laughs> yeah. But um, despite that, and despite one or two um, fairly bleak reviews and the fact that it underperformed slightly at the box office, or rather slightly is probably <clears throat> for Marvel money, that's probably like it didn't take $2 billion, so we're disappointed. <laughs> but um, I quite enjoyed this. I thought the, the wisecracks were just as amusing as ever. The plot was a little bit different. Um Possibly went into it with low extent. Yeah, I mean, um, I thought it was quite funny seeing the two guys from Game of Thrones back uh, back head to head. You know, the Starks and Jon Snow. (laughs) (laughs) So that was uh, that was was quite good seeing that. But yeah, and they were a very diverse cast. You know, you could see that uh, they'd obviously sort of thought, "Crikey, we haven't had you know." we haven't. Well, I don't know if they were doing a cynical box ticking exercise. I don't mean it like that, but they did try to make it a fairly diverse bunch of people. Mm. And uh, yeah, I kind of enjoyed it. I sort of went along thinking, oh, it's just a night out, and uh, it, it passed the fifteen-year-old daughter test. She enjoyed it too, so we went and saw it. And we just thought, even if it's not very good, we're going out in the cinema for an evening. And uh, yeah. we both came out. Yeah, you know, that wasn't bad. Quite enjoyed that. So, so I was sort of surprised that the main star of this movie was Gemma Chan. That that her character was very much the, the it followed it from her perspective yeah. and, and it really was her story and, and the others were all around that. How did you think she fared as a, as a carrying this movie? Yeah, I thought she was quite good. I mean, is it did Gemma Chan, the one that was in humans, the uh, yes. Um, yes. channel four, I think it was that had that series. Yeah. Now, I saw her in that a few years ago. So she played kind of like, um, well, basically an Android or a robot mm. of some description, didn't she? And it's a while since I've seen it. So I recognized her from that. And yeah, I, thought, I mean, I didn't, uh, Unless this is you luring me into a trap, but I thought she was quite good. Yeah, no, 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 so, not at all. You must, gonna, you must uh, speak your mind. But no, uh, yeah, no, no. I, I just wondered when you were going to say I thought she was terrible. You know, but uh, well, no, I've not fine seen. Yeah. I'd not seen her before. <laughs> I wasn't at all familiar with her, and I thought she was wonderful. I thought she did such a good job with that. Um, ah, very go. good in that central performance. I was also quite impressed with Richard Madden because I've yes. only seen him on the yeah. small screen, and just because you can do, you can be good on the small screen doesn't necessarily translate to a big particularly a big budget blockbuster movie and yes, i thought now, he, he was quite convincing i have one caveat and i agree with you except why did he have a scottish accent try and explain that to me because he was because born in I scotland thought, yeah he was but was the character meant to be <laughs> maybe that's where scottish accents came from you know when he I landed mean, thousands of years I'm ago ju- I'm just saying, if he, you know, if he played an alien from mars he wouldn't necessarily have the scottish accent you know yeah but then why there was another chance have an english accent well, the other the other character had a well, she had a fairly neutral accent, I suppose. I it's could kind say of, it was but the, English. Wasn't there was it? there was a guy with an Irish accent as well, and I mean, yeah. it's fine if he's actually Irish, but weren't they meant to have been washed upon the shores thousands of years ago? Kind but of. But did thing, you somewhere. not notice they actually all had different accents, which was sort of weird in yeah, itself? Yeah. Would they not have had the same accent? But um, yeah, that as well. Yeah, it's a minor quibble. I enjoyed the yeah. film. I'm just, th- I'm just, th- you know, putting it the, out there um, for discussion. The teenage <laughs> boy in me was. <laughs> the teenage boy in me was incredibly <laughs> pleased to see Angelina Jolie and Salma Hayek up on the big screen again. Um, uh, yes, I wouldn't disagree. It was good to see them making uh, an appearance, and they were yes, they were good yes. too. Yeah, I did say to somebody else, I said I would like to see more of Salma Hayek, and I'm leaving that sentence where it is. Um, well, you will get to see more of Salma Hayek as long as you go and see House of Gucci, which I'm about to talk about. Yes, because this is her other film that she's you know suddenly she's not done much for a while, and all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. So so I'll tell you more about that one. I really enjoyed this. It's the second film I've seen in in a month directed by Ridley Scott. So he did The the Last Duel, um, which kind of came and went and disappeared, probably under the weight of the expectation for all the Bond uh, film that, you know, they released that one and it sort of disappeared without trace. But I thought that was very good. But House of Gucci, I really enjoyed. Um, It was a bit long. I think we could have cut 10 or 15 minutes out of it probably. But um, other than that... It looks fantastic, and it follows um, – well, it's based on a true story. It's kind of 90% fact, as these things always are. And it's about the Gucci family, and it's uh, it features um, a character called Patrizia Reggiani. I think I pronounced that correctly, hopefully. Mm-hmm. 
played by Lady Gaga, who's really good in this role. She marries Maurizio Gucci, who's played by Adam Driver. And initially, they're not that attached to the Gucci family, but they get kind of lured back in. It's almost like a mafia thing, but without the widespread bloodshed. Although, I'm coming to that, because Patrizia eventually hires a hitman to murder Maurizio. And that's true. That actually happened. So this is the the, the, the fashion house that we've all heard of. Mm. Uh, Maurizio Gucci and and um, Patrizia get involved in a tussle for this empire and initially kind of come out on top and then it gets rather complex and um, they deal with a wonderful supporting cast. The uncle of Maurizio is played by Al Pacino. You've got Jar- Jared Leto. You've got Jeremy Irons is the other brother, uh, brother of Al Pacino. He's brilliant in it. And, and good old Salma's there as well as Patrizio's friend, confidant, and basically tarot-reading, horoscope-telling accomplice who helps her hire a hitman. <laughs> so that's a pretty good rule. <laughs> and it, it was great. I mean, I suppose it, it happened quite a while back, so I suppose you know we should still be respectful of the fact that a man actually was killed. But yeah. um, the story's been well recorded over the last nearly 30 years now. It, was, it happened mm. in the early 90s. And... Um, yeah, the, how was the, the how Lady was Al Pacino? Because I've been worried about him because Al Pacino has been in some of the greatest movies of all time, and then it seems in the last I don't know ten or fifteen years, I reckon he's got an answer machine that just says yes, I'll do it, and he's turned yeah, up in all sorts yeah. of tosh. Um, I know him and De Niro both form? really. Yeah, yeah, yeah I liked right. him. I liked him in this. I mean, there's a bit of scenery chewing, but you always get a bit of uh, okay. you know uh, loud acting from Al, and I, I'm a big fan. And in this part, he's very good, and he he plays. Uh, you know, the, the uncle who... So basically, Jeremy Irons plays the father of Maurizio, who sort of disowns him, at least for mm. quite a while. And Al Pacino plays his uncle. And he's the Aldo, the guy that who who um, made the Gucci empire an empire. And he realises that Maurizio's probably going to be a good guy to kind of take over because his own son's a bit of an idiot, so they stress that. And the whole family get into all sorts of complications. And Al Pacino, there is a bit of shouting, but generally speaking, he's a bit more you know um inward um you know and whispery than he would normally be um and it's a good part for him it's a very good part for him because the gucci's as i said they're a bit like a kind of mafia style family business without the widespread violence except for this one murder Mm. uh, obviously one too many but um yeah it's a it's a good role for him and jeremy Hines is very good as well as the other one and uh, okay great they convinced me now, one more film that you said that you've seen that's out at the moment is Mothering Sunday. Yeah, this is a, a smaller movie, and I suspect um, you know this will come and go quite quickly. It's a British film, Mothering Sunday. Interestingly, it's based on a novel by Graham Swift. And I say interestingly because we talked about Graham Swift last time I was on. He'd written that film, Last Orders, um, that I talked about oh, yes. as a possible TV watch, and uh, it was one that you'd not um, had the opportunity to see at the time. So Mothering Sunday, it goes back to the, the 1920s. It features a pending engagement and a meal to celebrate that engagement with the parents and friends of the girl and the boy who are in their sort of early 20s and the boys the boy well young man he is running late and the reason he's running late is he's having an affair with the maid of one of the other families now these families have lost people in the first world war so these two these two young people who are getting engaged are almost the only people left you know there's been four or five people who've been killed in the First World War, and these this rather large group of children, only two have reached full, slightly beyond adulthood. Um, and it's one of those things where there's a sort of class-crossing-over romance where the, the guy kind of knows that he's probably not going to be able to you know, avoid this marriage, and he can't marry the servant. He's played by Joshua Connor, who played Prince Charles in The Crown. Um, Odessa Young plays the young woman, and it, she's an interesting central character because she's a maid in this, but she's also looking back on her life. So it goes back and forward into the future and the past. And the question is, how did you become an author? And and part of the reason is what happens in this movie. Right. Okay. Um, and uh, Glenda Jackson in there as well. First appearance, I think, yes, in filming quite a briefly, while. briefly, yes. Yeah. So she plays the Odessa Young as an older woman. Right. And uh, there's a young lady who's never in anything called Olivia Coleman. I mean, you probably never, <laughs> never heard, heard of her. Never heard of her. <laughs> She's <No>. in there. <laughs> and Colin Firth, a promising newcomer as well. So they, they are both good, to be fair, in this. Uh, and it was good. It was thought-provoking. It was interesting. A little bit far-fetched in one or two points, but I don't want to ruin it by saying why. Um, but, yeah, I, if I would say I enjoyed it or I quite enjoyed it, it was worth the trip. Um, you know, uh, yeah, interesting. Interesting movie. 
Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm, and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Time now to take a look at the new releases on the streaming services. Just one from Netflix to mention this week, uh, which comes out on Friday the 3rd of December, and that is Mixtape. Yes, mixtape. So on the eve of Y2K, remember that? Um, no, I do. There are going to be people now who don't even know what Y2K is anymore, but basically it was the oh, millennium, no, wasn't no. it? it? It was, and the worry that the whole system might crash because we reset the date, and people actually yeah. did worry that the, all the computers wouldn't work. But anyway, it's on the eve of Y2K. Orphaned, awkward 12-year-old Beverly Moody, played by Gemma Brooke-Allen, she discovers a broken mixtape that's been crafted by her teenage parents, um, she was raised by her grandmother, Gail, who is Modern Family's Julie Bowen, um, a former teen mom herself who finds it painful to speak about her late daughter. Beverly sees this mixtape as a chance to finally learn more about her parents, so she sets out on a journey to find all the songs on the tape, whatever that means, whether she's, I don't know if she's getting them in vinyl or just setting out to find someone to talk about them or I haven't seen it yet. Don't, don't ruin the, the magic, premise. man. People may not know yeah, you haven't seen sorry. it yet. So, yeah, we've seen all of these films, obviously. All of them. Yeah, well, of course we have, yes. Even yeah. though, you know. Sorry, anyway. I think you got away with um, that. Carry on. Yeah, okay. Nobody noticed that at all. <laughs> Along the way, she makes friends with her quirky neighbour, Ellen, and an intimidatingly tough Nicky, and a guy called Anti, who's an anti-everything record store owner who's the key to finding these tracks. So they must be on vinyl, hey. And a renewed bond occurs between Gail and Beverly. So okay. there you go. That's so it's, that's a, what it's it is. a family sort of drama, yeah, type so thing, isn't it? So yeah, 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 I think so. And I think it's um, one to watch on a Saturday night with the teenage kids, maybe. Maybe, so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it does it a, a hit, uh, kids yeah. drama film. It ticks those boxes. Yes, there you now, go. A film that came now, out last week on Netflix um, is one that you've yeah. also seen. you've been busy watching movies for us. Um, and I don't. I mean, yeah, I don't you know see, if you, you get know, enough you gratitude t- for this. I know. I don't think I do. I was always getting getting uh, Mickey ticked because I didn't see mixtape. But then instead, <laughs> I watched uh, I watched the Power of the Dog, and I know yeah. you've already re- uh, discussed it. But yeah, so, um, so just Power to chip in, that released, I've seen it. Was released on Wednesday, uh, the first of December. Yeah. But you've seen it, haven't you? So, and this is a Western. Yes, I watched isn't it? it on Netflix. Yes, it's it's one of those ones where it's limited release in the cinema, but it's mostly a Netflix um, movie, and it's. Uh, it is a western. It's set in 1925 Montana, so it's kind of like beyond the oh, wild. Very West. modern western, then. Yes, it is, and um, it's the cast that struck me. Um, you know, when I first saw the lineup for it, it's Jane Campion who managed to attract a good cast involving Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons, who was from Breaking Bad and various other movies. Very good. Um, they play brothers who run this ranch. Jesse Plemons is a younger one. He falls for Kirsten Dunst, who has a, a teenage son called, uh, played by Cody Smith McPhee. And they go and live on the ranch that he has shared with Benedict all this time. Now, I have to say, Benedict Cumberbatch, you don't normally associate him as being menacing and uh, with, a, with a touch of uh, danger, but he's a very versatile actor. And uh, he carries this really well because Kirsten Dunst is frightened to death of him, and so is the son. Um, he's, he's intimidating. He doesn't want her there. He looks upon her as a person who's just trying to get rich quick at their expense and exploit his little brother. Um, and then, so tension builds up, and obviously between all four of those characters, but there is also there's layers of it, nuance behind this. It isn't just as straightforward as you as you might think. And because it's Jane Campion, there's a lot of knowing looks and a lot of ambiguity. It's very well made, very well um, shot, can, very well can acted. Can I ask you, Howard? Did you uh, were yes. you convinced by Benedict Cumberbatch playing anything other than a posh British bloke? I was, and that's that's the kind of the weird the weird thing about him. I thought he was very convincing in this he he does look quite scary <laughs> so and, and yeah, you, i was because yeah. because he's somebody that that people may well just know him from like sherlock for example or other such things you know and often he plays somebody who's incredibly posh and british and middle yes, class like the, and so if he's suddenly playing a, a cow or you know an american in a western that that's quite yeah. that's quite a leap from what he's it's known a for. massive leap yeah and it and it is because i mean i've also he's a very good actor and he, mm. he's another one who's in he's you know you can jokingly say he's in everything but he is quite versatile and in this yeah. he does look like he would punch your lights out or stab you to death <laughs> in your sleep so 
you know, well, well done, Benedict, for convincing yeah. me that you're scary because uh, oh, he is in this. He's very good. That's good. And also and, an interesting uh, and, pairing once again of Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons, who played husband and wife in one of the series of Fargo. I think it was the second series of the TV series Fargo. Ah, um, they were in that together. And, and when I read that, oh, they're doing something else together, I then also found out they're married, which possibly is why they often appear together. Yes, I mean, you know, it cuts down the cost of babysitters if you can bring the kids as well. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they're, they're a fairly earliest couple these days. Jesse Plavins yeah. is really, um, you know, a star on the rise. And, yeah, uh, he he's was, way most, more most than just the uh, Breaking Bad. That's right, where he where he was basically the uh, was he was the the ginger Matt Damon, but but no, he's so much more than that now. Yes, he is. He is, and he was uh, he was a, a young actor in uh, Friday Night Lights. I don't know if you ever watched that, but that ran for several years, and so that was the first thing that launched him. And he's the guy who came out of that and has okay. gone on to stardom. The others have done other things, but he is mm. definitely the breaking star of that one. So there you go. So there so how go. would you give that? Yeah. Do, would you give that a thumbs up? Two thumbs up? What, yeah, what would the... yeah. I was I, there was a bit where I was thinking this is a bit slow, Jane. You know, you need a bit move a bit faster, a <laughs> little less ambiguity, and I hope the ending is going to be good. And actually, I thought the ending was pretty good. She pulled um, it all off, and yes. So a uh, yes, yeah, she did. So I'd give her a thumbs up for that one. Worth a watch on Netflix. The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. It, we've reached that point in the show where we look at a film that Howard Linsky, acclaimed local author, believes is too good to be forgotten. And this time it is a film called All Is True. And it's actually not from that long ago. So no, how have we already forgotten uh, it? Yeah, I know. Well, how have we already forgotten it? Because I think a lot of people have, or maybe it passed them by. So I'm getting an early vote in for this so that it isn't forgotten. It's only three years old, but I don't think very many people saw it. So All Is True. Um, is directed by Kenneth Branagh and written by Ben Elton. And with Branner involved, you're probably not too surprised to learn that it involves William Shakespeare. Now, he's had a, an amazing career, Kenneth Branagh, but it started with the Royal Shakespeare Company. He's done a lot of Shakespearean movies. Um, he's obviously the, the authority on the Bard. This story, written by Ben Elton, is not um, an out-and-out slapstick-type comedy that you might expect from him. It's a very thoughtful play, and it's about the period of Shakespeare's life when he comes home for his final years and he retires to Stratford. Basically what happened to him was he was, um, uh, he wrote loads of plays as we, as we know that nearly all of which is still very well known. And <clears throat> the original globe theater was performing his play, Henry VIII when it burned down because somebody set off a cannon as part of a stage effect and the roof caught fire and the whole lot burned to the ground. So at the age of 49, he went, whatever the Shakespearean equivalent of sod this is. And he went on <laughs> to sort of rejoin his family. <clears throat> now, he'd left his older wife, Anne Hathaway, who is somewhat implausibly played by Judy Dench. She was about 30 years older than Branagh, but never mind. Um, she's generally generally always in his theatre company. And to be fair, she's very good as Anne Hathaway. Um, he has two daughters back home. His son, who you may or may not know, is called Hamnet, uh, or was called Hamnet, is already deceased. He's already gone. And in this fictionalised story, Shakespeare comes home and finally has time to mourn the son that he lost some years ago. And there is friction involving him, his wife and his two daughters, because he's never been there. One of his daughters is married. The other one lives at home and is rather bitter about her life. And there's lots of um, arguments about them. And all of it slowly um, unravels. And we, we explain, you know, they slowly explain the reasons why the characters feel the way they do. But more than anything, it's just a really sweet, thought-provoking, well-written story um, that Mark Commode, for example, went into one over. He thought it was absolutely amazing, and I'm glad glad of that because I'm glad I'm not the only one. Um, and it shows a man who's looking back on his life when he knows he probably hasn't got too many years left. And I heartily recommend it. It's also very funny as well in parts, as you might expect from Ben Elton writing lines for Kenneth Branagh. So give All Is True a go, and don't okay. let it be forgotten. As soon, soon as you described the film, I then remembered the film you meant. So up until that point, I'm thinking, I don't remember this one either. Um, but but uh, yeah, now it got hurt at the box office somewhat. And I feel guilty for this because at the same time that Branagh released this, 
I was in a play at the Abbey Theatre about the last uh, days of Shakespeare called Bingo, and I just think it hurt him, and I'm really sorry. It did. It did. He's never I'm quite recovered that. from that. I think he went no. off and directed some Marvel movies to recover from the humiliation yeah. of being thumped by you at the box office. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, hang your yeah. head, you know. We, 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 it was um, just, just one of those sort of things, a weird weird thing of coincidence, but we, that we were in a play called Bingo, which was written by a playwright called Edward Bond, and it was all about the last days of Shakespeare. Um, but a oh. very different tone to this because that was very serious. And, and also, I, I didn't know until doing this play that not not a lot's actually known about how Shakespeare died. They know that Ben Johnson visited him in the in Yeah, the, they in went the on a proper drinking it. session. Yeah. yeah they, 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 and then he died the following day. I'd, I like to think he just absolutely overdid it that night with yeah. two of his mates, including Ben Johnson, yeah. And, 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 and I gather that that is depicted in the movie because that's one of the few things that's known about him, his final days. And uh, and that was in our play as well. There was a scene about that. But uh, yeah, but well, they don't. That, they, yeah, yeah they, they, they basically concentrate on him before he goes. But there's a there's a lovely line in it where one of his daughters says to him, my husband thinks you've come home to die. And Branagh says something like, I've just bought a pension. I can't die for at least 10 years or I'll be ruined. <laughs> so it's stuff. witty and funny and very thought-provoking and uh yeah good stuff um so okay. I, I recommend so, it heavily so howard's choice that is too good to be forgotten the 2018 film starring helen uh kenneth brenner judy dench and ian mckellen as well he's in there. yes ian mckellen uh, all, yeah, earl of southampton all, he plays okay and the film is all is true in a moment we'll be hearing about howard's choice of films on free to air tv for the week ahead Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast, One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week, I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is, you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's One to One with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. Time now. Some people might say the f- the favourite bit of the film guide. Um, although when Howard's doing it, of course, all of it's the favourite bit. Um, ah, you're yeah. too kind. <laughs> <laughs> Disingenuous, what's it? Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's time for us to look at Howard's choice of films on free to air TV for the week ahead. We start off with Friday, the third of December, uh, ten pm on Dave, which really doesn't sound like it should be a channel, but it is. With Donny oh, no, Brasco, it's a really well-named channel, isn't it? It's usually a comedy channel, but this is Donny Brasco, which has amusing moments, but is very far from a comedy. So it's a crime drama film directed by the brilliant Mike Newell, and it stars Al Pacino, Johnny, and Johnny Depp. It also has good supporting roles for Michael Madsen and Bruno Kirby, and also Anne Hesch. Um, it basically covers the true story. Obviously, this is a fictionalized version of a man who went undercover in uh, in the mafia. And managed to, um, you know, get a lot of information about what they were doing, and um, shop them all, and leading to numerous people getting jail sentences. But what makes it very interesting this story is that the guy himself, Joseph Pistone, he um, befriends a gangster played by Al Pacino to the point where both of them get on really, really well. And Johnny Depp's character, the younger man who's the FBI agent, starts to realise that if he does his job properly. Uh, Al Pacino's character is a dead man. Lefty is going to be the man blamed for the fact that he's infiltrated the mafia. So there's a whole friendship, bromance, dynamic thing going on there, and it's a pretty serious one. Uh, but it's really, really good. I, I presume you've seen Donnie Brasco, have you, Danny? Yeah, yeah, it's a great, um, a great gangster movie, a great, great film of that that genre um, with 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 you know a great performance. I keep saying great with a wonderful performance from Al Pacino. <laughs> Um, before yeah. he really started to sell out, um, he was still good <laughs> back then. Um, and it, of course, directed as, as as I'm sure you meant to say just there by St Albans' very own Mike Newell. Um, yes, well, I thought it, I thought it goes without saying, doesn't it, that he's St Albans' <laughs> very own Mike Newell, a friend, a friend of the show. I think we described him he's last linked, time, didn't we? Yeah, very much so. Um, he's linked to the last thing that we talked about in the previous <laughs> thing because the play that I was talking about earlier was on at the Abbey Theatre, which his father oh, yeah. founded. Mike Newell's father founded the Abbey Theatre, ah. and Mike Newell is the current patron of the Abbey Theatre. So a lot of links with St Albans. Went to St Albans Boys' School, 
and, uh, and of course directed four weddings and a funeral, which in itself is weird. You think the bloke who which directed that? Which we talked that, about last time. Yeah, yeah, but the bloke who directed that nice, fluffy British comedy also directed Donny Brasco. Yeah, I love directors who can do that. I don't, I don't understand why people have to be categorized as you know a crime director or a sci-fi director or whatever i think it's you know you're a director you like stories and i love it when people like mike newell or stephen frears or ridley scott they tackle different movies and different genres it's great yeah yeah no absolutely um and also mike newell did one of the harry potter films as well and and he's got quite a diverse list of movies nowhere near as diverse as ridley scott which was something we did discuss previously as well wasn't it um we did yes but, he had a long list of hits didn't he yeah. and uh, some very good movies yeah Okay. Um, anyway, that's Donny Brasco, 10 p.m. on Dave on Friday the 3rd of December. Saturday the 4th of December. Oh, this is a this is a tough film. Um, but we have The yeah. Killing Fields. Yes, I'm not seeing this for a while. PM. But, uh, 11.55 p.m., yes, on RTE1. And The Killing Fields is the British drama film about the Khmer Rouge regime in Cambodia. And it centres as, you know, big stories like that. It does help if you centre your story on a couple of people and it's based on the true story of two um, journalists, American Sidney Shanberg, who was forced to leave the country and he had to leave behind a Cambodian journalist called Dith Pran, who'd been working with him. And um, it was one of those where the Americans are coming out of the place. People are allowed on board planes or helicopters or boats or whatever to get out of there. Um, Dith Pran, they couldn't get him out. And um, Sidney Shanberg felt very guilty about the fact that he was stuck behind and did everything he could to try to um, find him and get him out of there. And in in the course of the movie, it shows how bad things really were in Cambodia when the Khmerus took over and basically massacred loads of people. Um, the director of that one is Roland Joff, and it was produced by David Putnam. There's two big names from the 80s uh, uh, movie scene, uh, British movie scene, basically, and um, they went on to do things like The Mission together, didn't they? But I, I really liked The Killing Fields. I thought it was a very, very good movie. Okay. So well worth a watch. All right, that's Saturday the 4th of December, uh, 11.55 p.m. Uh, let's move to Sunday the 5th of December, 11.10 uh, p.m. on Film 4. We have the film Layer Cake. Now, this is the first film where I became aware of Daniel Craig. Yeah, I think a lot of people first became aware of our future James Bond on this one. It was a kind of almost like an unofficial audition for him. It's not exactly the same sort of part. I mean, nobody's exactly like James Bond. But in this one, he plays a, what can I describe as a white collar gangster someone who deals in a lot of cocaine and who wants to um you know leave that profession once he's made a certain amount of money and as you can imagine with it being a british crime film it all goes horribly wrong um it's written by jj connolly adapted from his own novel directed by matthew vaughan and it has got um small cameo appearances from the likes of tom hardy uh sienna miller's got a slightly bigger role in this she's the one that um quite understandably daniel falls for um, and Colin Meaney's in it, uh, and Colin uh, Meaney, Michael Gambon as well. I think Colin Meaney is great, and he's one of these guys, you, you see him and you think, actually, I've seen him in quite a lot of things. If you're a sci-fi nerd, you'd have seen him in Star Trek because he was in that for years on, on, the, on the TV. He was in both The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine um, playing the same character, but he's done so many other things as well. I think he's really good, and in, he was great. If you saw The Damned United, um, oh yes, he played yes, the. Um, yeah. uh, oh, what was the guy called? The the guy who was the England Don Revy. He played. Don Revy, he yeah. played Don Revy, and he played him so well. But uh, he did. That's a very good movie. Yeah, and 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 you say they're directed by Matthew Vaughan, uh, and you said it was yes. his debut. And Matthew Vaughan previously worked uh, extensively with Guy Ritchie and did Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. And this has that yes. sort of feel to it, doesn't it? It is a it's a it British does. gangster does. movie. And, uh, <clears throat> I have to say, uh, credit for Matthew Vaughan, because he kind of went, you know, I could probably do that. Most people would, would balk at going from producer to director. And you know, the directors are meant to be the really talented uh, auteurs, aren't they, or whatever the, Sometimes. You know, the French word is <laughs> for that one. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he um, he stepped in and did this, and it's very, very good. It's well worth a watch. And uh, it's a little bit different, I think. Okay. <clears throat> it doesn't remind – it's not derivative of any other gangster films that I can think of. No, it does have its own sort of charm, doesn't it? And and also, yeah. I, I like the fact as well that, that – and I didn't notice this at the time, so somebody pointed out to me afterwards, but we never know Daniel Craig's name in this movie. That's right. And they come up with some clever, I think one at one time his name's mentioned, but there's some background noise that drowns it out. And then another time when he goes to introduce himself and he gets interrupted. And and I think this happens throughout the movie that at various places yeah, where they would yeah, call him right. by his name, it doesn't happen. And as he's, 
he's kind of narrating his own story. So toward the end of the movie, he says, uh, yeah, my name, uh, well, if you knew that, you'd knew more than me. I think it's something along those lines. Um, don't quote me, or as I'm trying to quote them. But uh, but that is the gist of what he says, yeah. put it that way. Okay. So, yeah, <clears> so, great. Yes, it's very deliberate. Great movie, Layer Cake. Uh, very morally yeah. ambiguous because you're rooting for a Definitely. drug dealer. But nonetheless, yep. if you like that sort of British crime flick, then this is the one for but, you. You know, uh, he's a respectable white collar drug dealer, so it's all right. You know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and that's on uh, film four at 10 past 11. Okay. <clears throat> so let's move now to the Monday, the 6th of December. And uh, 9 yeah. p.m. on the Paramount uh, channel, we have We Were Soldiers. Yes, I know I'm a bit of a sucker for a, a war film or a, a film about a battle, but this was based on a true story. Um, it was uh, ri- written and directed by Randall Wallace, and it stars Mel Gibson, and it's based on the book We Were Soldiers Once um, by a retired lieutenant, Le- sorry, retired lieutenant general. I almost said lieutenant colonel. I almost demoted him by rank, and that would never do. Hal Moore and the reporter Joseph Galloway, and it dramatises the Battle of Idrang on November the 14th, 1965, which, unless someone wants to write in and tell me that I'm wrong, was the first bit of combat the Americans saw when they went into Vietnam. So it gives you a little bit of background on what happened, um, what the situation was, but primarily just focus on these guys who were sent there to do a job and how you know arduous and difficult that was when they were attacked by massive numbers of uh, NVA, North Vietnamese Army. So they weren't expecting it. And, uh, yeah, um, he he has to kind of marshal the troops literally in this case, and it's very it's a very good movie. Yeah, and, and um, you know, w- something that was, uh, a, a, you know, further demonstration again of, of Mel Gibson's talents. And, and you know, th- there's a guy who fell from grace in a, in a big way, and he, he seems to be oh, slowly yeah, making his way back <clears throat> in Hollywood. But, um, you know, th- th- this yes, he was... I- wonderful in it and and another good performance as well greg kinnear was particularly good in it and sam yeah, elliott one of was. my favorite all-time actors was in this as well oh definitely yeah he's really good yeah <clears throat> yeah he he looks the part in virtually every movie where men are men you know <laughs> <laughs> so anything to do with westerns or war yeah. it's your man <clears throat> and he's married to Catherine ross who was the the female lead in butch Cassidy and the sundance kid and, and other films ah. of that era and interestingly, and the graduate, and the by graduate, the way, no the wonderful Catherine Ross. Yeah. yeah, she's amazing. And um, Sam Elliott's <laughs> debut film appearance was in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. They didn't share yeah. any scenes, and I don't believe they met in that doing, making that film. I was going to say, did he walk off with the leading lady? That was pretty impressive courtship. <laughs> but you only did, see you know? the back of him, and you don't even hear his voice. But he's one of the poker players wow. in a scene early in the movie, um, and uh, and you 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 only see the back of him, but it's him. Ah. Well, I, I think Catherine Ross was uh, underrated. Very good actress, yeah. very beautiful as well, and in not enough really good films. Yeah, one or two. I think was she in the Stepford Wives as well? Yes, I'm getting that I wrong think she right? was. Yeah. She was in the original, but <clears throat> you know, um, sadly underused. Yeah, because she's very, very good. Okay, that's we were soldiers. Nine p.m. Paramount, uh, Monday the sixth of December. Tuesday the seventh yep. of December, nine p.m. on Great Movies Drive. Yes. I've gone for Drive. Yes, yeah, so that's a 2011 uh, American action drama film described as by uh, directed by Nicholas Wind. Is it Winding Refin? Yeah, I'm never do. quite sure how to pronounce his name. Let's go with that. Could be Winding Refin. Nicholas Winding Refusal. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Good old Nick. <laughs> um, anyway, it's based on James Salas's novel of the same name. And I'm going to I'm going to throw in a bit of trivia. Him. I met Jim Salas because we share a UK publisher, and he's a very nice chap. Um, he does not look like a gangster. He looks more like what he is, which is an American professor who writes crime novels in his spare time. And this one became a very stylized and stylish movie starring Ryan Gosling <clears throat> as the unnamed Hollywood stunt driver who moonlights as a getaway driver. He's quite monosyllabic in it, but uh, if you're as good looking as Ryan Gosling, you probably get away with saying very few words. Um, he goes uh, fond of his neighbor, played by Carrie Mulligan and her young son <clears throat> and her debt-ridden husband. Uh, when he is released from prison, they take part, he, he and another man take part in what turns out to be a botched robbery that endangers the lives of everyone involved. And the villain in this one is Albert Brooks, would you believe? And what a... Who, what you know, a you he's <clears throat> certainly going against type in that, isn't he? So different yeah, from his definitely. other... You know, because I remember yeah. first seeing him in this movie and thinking, oh man, that's bad. You know, like he's like cuddly, nice. You know, yeah. like charming, a <clears throat> bit funny, and all that. Yeah, and then <clears throat> suddenly, yeah. within minutes in this movie, you think, "Wow, he's scary." 
and you, you yeah, he's menacing you in this. Buy isn't into he? Yeah. it, yeah, works. And there's a, there's interesting supporting cast. Brian Cranston's in it. Christina Hendricks from Mad Men is in it. Ron Perlman is in it. Who I'm sure you you might not know the name, but you would definitely oh, recognise the face. Of he's got a very lots of other things. Yeah, um, and also yeah, he's Oscar got a rugged Isaac. look about him. Ah, do you know I forgot he was in that? You, yeah, it's in your notes you there, mate. Is it? Well, I forgot I'd written it in my notes. What can I say? <laughs> he's, I'm getting old and forgetful. He's the bedridden husband. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, oh, yeah, so great yeah. casting. Of course, I just teed that up for you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Drive, 9pm on Great Movies. Our penultimate yeah. film for the week, Howard's penultimate film for yeah. the week, now is uh, Wednesday the 8th of December, 6.20pm uh, <clears> film for Howard likes a war movie. He also likes a historical yeah. one, and this is a little bit of both. I know. And uh, this I is know. Master and Commander, The Far Side yes. of the World. It's really good, isn't it? I mean, you don't have to necessarily be into history and like anything to do with war or battles to like this one. Just it's really well written and well well played. And um, it's basically it's directed by Peter Weir, who's a, a fairly marvelous director generally. And it's based on um, the uh, Napoleonic War set um, naval books by Patrick O'Brien from the they're known as the Aubrey and Maturin series because those are the two main characters. And they are played respectively by Russell Crowe as the captain in the Royal Navy and Paul Bettany, who plays the ship's surgeon. Now, can I ask you? So there's can, quite a bit about. Can anybody else see Paul Bettany this time? Can anybody else see Paul Bettany this time? How do you mean? You've lost me completely. Oh, man. You've disappointed me now. Um, no, I don't know. Because the pair of them yeah, appeared in another movie together where it turned out that only Russell Crowe could see Paul Bettany. Oh, which one was that again then? A Beautiful Mind. Ah, no, I don't, uh, I don't, rec- well, I have seen Beautiful Mind, but I'd forgotten about that. Because you know, Paul like, he's Bettany a bit crazy, a- isn't he? And then, and, yeah, and, yeah, he is. Yeah, and Paul yeah. Bettany it's plays a long time his- since I've seen that movie. Well, it's a bit of a spoiler we, now, does but, he- yeah, Paul Bettany yeah, plays yeah. his mate, doesn't he? Or, or, or is he, in fact, ah. was he like a spy or something? And and Russell Crowe thought he was working for him, and then it turns out no one else could see him because it was all in his head. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, do you know I, I should remember that? But again, I'm getting old. But I, it's so it's 20 years since yeah. I've seen Beautiful Mind. I, I think I can edit around that. Me. You'll sound very clever, don't <clears> worry. Yeah, don't worry about yeah. it. You, you know, you can just leave me in there as the old game's <laughs> forgotten everything. You know, it's fine. <laughs> I've had a tough week. <laughs> now, now, this was supposed to be a, hot, a first of a series of movies, and, and and the biggest giveaway of that is there's a colon in the name of the movie. But yeah, alas, as, world, it was yeah. from 2003, and as yet they've not done another. One. So I'm guessing. No, I would imagine it, it, it must have been pretty expensive to to make that. Obviously, you've got to recreate the ship for one thing, um, or well, several ships actually. Um, and it might be, I am guessing the way Hollywood works that probably that you know people looked at it and went, as you said, oh, it's history and it's war and it's not exactly what you would call a date movie. So maybe they're thinking, well. It's a what's that awful word they use? Demographic. The demographic yeah. is probably a little bit limited in their eyes, but because I wondered it's if it's the sort of movie. thing that would have worked better as a TV thing, like Sharp. You know the way Sean Bean's yeah. thing, Sharp, where where it worked, or even a Hornblower, the other one that's yeah. a bit like Sharp, but it's actually at set at sea with uh, with the Grufford fella. Um, yeah, I mean, possibly. I suppose it was quite gritty. I mean, what I liked about this is it's unflinching about the life on board a ship back then. So it's been you know, really well historically researched by the original author. Um, They went to a huge amount of trouble to get everything right. And they depicted a a fairly brutal world with lots of um, things occurring and the lifestyle and even the lifespan that you had in that world was, was pretty difficult and short. So yeah, okay. It's one of those movies you come out and you go, "Blimey, I'm, I'm kind of living a, a charmed life by comparison, yeah. sitting at my desk writing." But, you know. but great central performance by Russell Crowe, ably supported by Definitely. Paul Bettany as well, and wonderful direction from Peter Weir. I think makes this yeah. into if you, if you like your sort of your battles on the high seas and and set in in, in that bygone Napoleonic era, then this is the movie for yeah. you. Yeah, um, it's epic stuff, yeah. and it's it's also quite clever as well. One thing I would add at the, the end is that. There's not. It's not just a question of like, oh, let's have a battle and fire some cannons at each other. There's a whole running plot about the fact that the other ship that they're after, the French ship, is much more, well, it's more superior to their ship. So they have to be very clever on how they attempt to take it out. And you know, you get you find yourself quite gripped by it all. Okay, that's uh, Master and Commander: The Far Side of the World from 2003, which is Wednesday's choice, 6:20 p.m. on Film Four. Final choice of the week, Thursday for Thursday the 9th of December, uh, ITV4 9 p.m. It's Total Recall. This is the '90s version of Total Recall, the first one, uh, not the the 2010s remake with uh, Colin yeah, Farrell. Yeah, it wasn't very. It was a 
a pretty average remake with Colin Farrell. I mean, <clears throat> ordinarily, if you told me there's two movies on, one's got Colin Farrell in it and one's got Arnold Schwarzenegger in it, I'd probably guess that I'd be more likely to wonder what's the Colin Farrell one. But the original Total Recall, or as it should obviously be known, Total Recall, is um, <laughs> it's just really, really good. And I mean, Arnie, I normally only like him if he's in Terminator and doesn't have to say a great deal. But in, in this, he's good enough, I think. And you, you kind of... It's one of those movies where it doesn't matter that his, <clears throat> his accent is clearly a little bit um, anachronistic, shall we say. But it's it's the, the, the real beauty of this movie is the plot. And it's um, like a lot of movies. <clears throat> it's based on an original story by Philip K. Dick, the guy behind the original Blade Runner. And just like Blade Runner, the book has a better title than the movie. So in this case, Total Recall, the story was called We Can Remember It For You Wholesale which I think is a lovely title. And uh, Blade Runner, famously, was actually called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is probably my favourite book title ever. I think it's so clever. But, um, you know, when you're mass-marketing a movie and you want people to remember it, it becomes Blade Runner, and in this case it becomes Total Recall. And it's about a construction worker who receives a memory implant about a fantastical adventure on Mars and um, subsequently finds that his adventure is occurring in reality as agents of a shadow organisation try to prevent him from recovering memories of his past as a Martian secret agent aiming to stop a tyrant played by Vilos Kohagen. What about him to Vilos? No, 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 that was uh, yeah, his name. Then, the name was Vilos. He was played by Ronnie Cox. Yeah, sorry, Ronnie Cox. Um, yeah, whatever happened to Ronnie? <laughs> <laughs> we changed his name I'm, to I'm Venus. What can I say? Yeah, no, no one ever hired him after that. I, I've just looked him up. Actually, he's still going. Um, Ronnie Cox. He's oh, still good. around. He's still <laughs> making movies. He's been in the TV series uh, Nashville for quite a, for a while. Oh, that's been on for a while, hasn't yeah. it? Nashville. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but yeah, um, he yeah he was in great movies back in the day, wasn't he? He was in Beverly yeah. Hills Cop. He was in RoboCop, uh, Deliverance. Uh, he, he's done a few different things in his time. Yeah, Ronnie well, Cox. and also Sharon Stone is in this and plays um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife. Yeah. And there is a fantastic, oh, it's a spoiler if I tell you the exact line or why it happens, but when Arnold Schwarzenegger finally decides that, that, that really their relationship is over, um, he delivers a, a fabulous one-liner in typical Arnie style. <laughs> and it's it's worth staying up late to watch it. Well, it's not, actually, it's not that late, 9 o'clock yeah. kickoff. I, I sound very old age there, don't I? Oh, stay up late after 9 p.m. <laughs> and watch this film. <laughs> Yeah, but it, but it's ITV four, so with commercials, it could go on for about three and a half hours. It, it could do, couldn't it? But that, there you go. That's that's the final choice of the week. Total Recall, nine pm on Thursday, the 9th of December on ITV four. Uh, Howard, which of those movies would be your movie of the week then? Of the TV, yeah, ones? tough one. But I will go for Master and Commander. Epic, sprawling, really well acted. Okay bags of fun great stuff well thank you for that um and, and i'm sure the dear listener hasn't noticed that between two of those movies there's been a gap of 24 hours in recording you know because that'll be seamless yeah uh, well exactly i mean the smoke and mirrors by the time you put that in no one will notice at all will it? I mean, <laughs> well we, when you pull the rabbits out of your hat we started recording this yesterday we're finishing it today and, and people will be able to hear it tomorrow that's how that works it, it makes it sound like we started recording it yesterday and we just carried on recording it, you know, over and over again for 24 That's hours. Some edit. Uh, with the technical problems we've had, it feels a bit like that, doesn't it? <laughs> but thank you so much. Thanks, Howard. Um, Howard's... Uh, very well. If you want to see the, the movies that Howard has re- recommended for us to watch on TV for the week ahead are all in the description of the episode of this podcast right now. And you can also find them on our website at stalbanspodcast.com. Uh, next week, it's the return of uh, Chris Aikman in the, the hot seat for the film guide uh howard will be back in a couple of weeks though because we're going to do a christmas special and howard's committed to that so you can't get out of it now or i'll release the pictures oh damn i don't was that a commitment yeah. i think i just sort of shrugged and yeah well, whatever but you've got it in written in blood now have if you, you oh, don't, if you want those okay. pictures to come to light then just don't turn up for it that's what i'm saying yeah, no i'll be there i'll be there i'll be there definitely <laughs> <laughs> but anyway thank you so much howard and yeah next week uh chris, chris and sam uh but uh, yeah take it easy guys <laughs>